What's up, everybody, and welcome to this special Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, and welcome our audience from Good Karma Wrestling. I am Jonathan Hood. This special podcast is about Tales from the Territories, the series that's on Vice TV. Episode 1 aired on October 4th, and it was about Memphis Wrestling. It's entitled Memphis, Where Wrestling Was Real. And this is a project, this series, Tales from the Territories, from The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and his uh, ex-wife and business partner, Danny Garcia. So there will be multiple episodes that we'll have here on Good Karma Wrestling on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday, uh, because I want everybody to be able to hear the great work that the production staff from Vice TV and Danny Garcia and The Rock from Seven Bucks Productions has put together. If you have listened to me over the years or if you're listening to me for the first time, I love professional wrestling, especially the history of professional wrestling. I hope that you got a chance to watch Tales from the Territories episode one because it talks about Memphis wrestling. And you say, well, Jay Hood, I'm a modern wrestling fan. What is Memphis wrestling? Well, Let's talk a little bit about Memphis wrestling before we talk about the show that we saw on Vice TV. If you were anyone in the 1960s, 70s, or 80s, and a little bit of the 90s as well, that want to get a professional wrestling and be a big star in your territory, you had to go through Memphis at least one time. And the Memphis territory was not big. They had shows in Evansville, Indiana, and Louisville, Kentucky, and Nashville, Tennessee. But the big shows were every Monday night at the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee. Of course, that building is closed now. But for many, many years on uh, Monday nights, that's the spot where Memphis was hoping to draw anywhere between seven to eight to 9,000 people on Monday night to see Memphis wrestling. And Jerry the King Lawler, for many years, was a star in Memphis wrestling. Not the broadcaster or the guy that would yell puppies next to Jim Ross in the Attitude Era. No, that guy was more than just an announcer. He was a major draw in that area. And whether you were The Rock, The Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, Sting, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Ultimate Warrior, Mark Henry, Jimmy Hart, Jim Cornette... Whoever was in other territories like WCW, the WWE, or in Japan, or other regional territories, you had to make a stop in Memphis first. As a matter of fact, before I continue, let me give you a book in which you could purchase. In my library here, down here in the Hood Cave, I have a book that was given to me by Jim Cornette called Rags, Papers, and Pens. The Merchandising of Memphis Wrestling, written by Jim Cornette and Mark James. On the cover, 
is Jackie Fargo and Jerry Jarrett, the promoter for Memphis Wrestling. Uh, you know, Jerry Law is on here, Hulk Hogan, Jimmy Hart, uh, Dutch Mantel, Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man, Valiant, uh, Tojo Yamamoto, the Fabulous Ones, and of course, the great voices of Memphis Wrestling. Uh, it was Lance Russell and Dave Brown. Dave Brown was a weatherman on the local channel uh, in which Memphis Wrestling would air. And so they're on the cover of this book as well. Again, Rags, Papers, and Pins. I know that book's got to be available, especially on Jim Cornette's website. That's a great companion piece to what we saw uh, on Vice TV. So Memphis Wrestling meant a lot to a lot of people. Now, again, being from the Midwest, I didn't see Memphis Wrestling every week because it was a regional promotion. Uh, professional wrestling was made of territories when I was growing up uh, in the 80s, where you can find wrestling in a lot of different parts across North America, in Puerto Rico, in Mexico, in Canada. There were Just kind of like today, where there's a lot of independent wrestling, where you can watch it on Fight TV, or you can watch it on your favorite independent stream. Well, there was a lot of places to work on a regular basis that had regular TV in the territories uh, for a long period of time. And Memphis was a hot territory. For the area that they were, it was a hot territory. And so let's take a look at the show. Season one, episode one, Jerry the King Lawler is there with Jerry Jarrett, Jimmy Hart, Dutch Mantell, and kind of driven and kind of narrated by... um, Jeff Jarrett. Now, Jerry Jarrett, as I mentioned, was a former wrestler and a promoter for Memphis Wrestling, and he was behind a lot of these this great action. And you say, well, Hood, okay, before you go on, why is it so important? Well, if you are a watcher of WWE and AEW, even WCW 15, 20 years ago, do you notice a common theme with these shows? Do you notice in your a regional promotion that you watch wrestling, independent wrestling. You notice the theme? The theme is is that you see a lot of action behind the scenes, outside the building. You see what's happening, quote-unquote, backstage. And that's a lot of Memphis wrestling. It started there because for many years, as someone who was watching regional wrestling out of Chicago and Indianapolis and as well as the Dallas Territory and world-class championship wrestling and um, in the Jim Crocker promotion uh, in the Carolinas in, mid, in the Mid-Atlantic. And then eventually we got a chance to see um, Mid-South wrestling, the UWF in the late 80s. Um, the common theme was that it would be, here's the open to the show, and here's the wrestling, and here's all the promos, and here's where you can get tickets, and then the show would be off in 60 minutes. Well, this show was unique because it was every Saturday morning, and it was a 90-minute show. Very rare for its time. Wrestling, some promotions only had 30 minutes to spare. Um, Some would have 60 if they had the money to be on every week. But it was a 90-minute show on Saturdays. I continue to read that somewhere in the area of 85 to 90% of the city at that time in the height of Jerry Lawler's run in Memphis, between the 70s through the late 80s, a little bit of the early 90s, where like almost 90% of the city was watching Memphis wrestling. I mean, watching it, and which is amazing when a whole city is captivated by a 90-minute wrestling show. Everyone was watching it. Different time for television back then because there's no streaming and you know, you had your one or two college football games um, per Saturday during that time. But the point is that when an entire city is watching your wrestling show, that's amazing. 
My point is, is that in the WWE, in AEW, in World, and I mentioned uh, WCW, you saw action outside of the building. You saw uh, amazing promos, long promos. One of the complaints from WWE fans is that you know every show seems the same. Monday Night Raw starts, they've got the pyro, they've got the crowd shots, and right to the ring for a 15-minute promo. You know where that started? It started in Memphis. <laughs> Memphis wrestling, a lot of times, open up not necessarily with a, um, a wrestling match, but they would talk about the feud. Someone would come out, Jerry Lawler would pop, pop out, Eddie Gilbert would pop out, it would be Jimmy Hart, who was a hot manager during that time in Memphis, or Dutch Mantel. Someone would have a problem, and they go right to the desk in that small studio in Memphis on Saturday morning, and they would talk about the issue. Hey, I have a problem with this person because they won't give me a title shot. Hey, I got a problem with this person because when we were in Jonesboro, Arkansas, this guy hit me in the back of the head, and I want revenge, whatever it is. But it would always start with a promo. Fast forward to 2022, what do you see more often than not? You don't see action right away. You see someone griping about an issue, and they're trying to lay out their match for the upcoming pay-per-view or later on the night or whatever it is. So this started with Memphis wrestling. The outside the action, the outside of the arena action, well, I mean, what we saw here in this show, and we'll go through it, is something that I think that a lot of wrestling companies should heed, and that is personal issues draw money. Personal issues draw money. That was the credo for Jerry Jarrett, their promoter for Memphis Wrestling. I think there was a sign-up uh, in the studios in Memphis for their TV show on Saturdays that said personal issues draw money, meaning that if you have an issue with a wrestler, if there's something going on, even if it's a shoot, you can be able to draw money with that because if you have the gift to gab, if you had the a proper action, uh, we can make sure that people will want to pay to see your issues. It's an amazing, amazing uh, mission statement for any wrestling company. Personal issues draw money. I won't spoil all of this for you because I hope that you got a chance to watch that. But for those that have watched it, as I mentioned before, there's been superstars across professional wrestling that had to stop in the Memphis territory first before they were able to be a big star on the big stage of you know, wrestling in Atlanta for WCW or going to New York to wrestle for the WWE or go to Japan or Mexico, wherever they want to go. But they talked about how the fans, how this this Lawler, Jarrett's, um, Jimmy Hart, Dutch Mantel, they talked about how in Louisville, Kentucky, and in Jonesboro, Arkansas, that there were serious incidents with the fans because the fans believed. We see now in sports, football, soccer, um, we see fans try to jump onto the onto the field of play and try to interrupt play because it's look at me, or I've got some statement on my t-shirt, so hey, I'm going to come out here and interrupt things. Well, it was different in the territory days because fans believed they watched the show every week, even though we clearly know it's entertainment. Well, listen, there was a time where fans believed what they saw, or maybe they didn't believe what they saw, but they wanted to interrupt the action. And there was a number of stories about how fans jumped the rail or during that time, it was just a long rope 
uh, between the fans and the ring. And they wanted to fight or try to interrupt or try to trip up, stab, or try to cut uh, wrestlers because they were heels. Jimmy Hart tells a great story about how he was stabbed in the ass um, with a syringe. He'll tell that story again. you got to watch that. It was an amazing story of how fans believed they hated Jimmy Hart, so they did anything they could to try to go after him. Same thing with Jerry Lawler talking about going after uh, a fan. <laughs> there was a story of Jerry Lawler, and there was he was leaving uh, the building, probably in a small town in Mississippi. And he was leaving the building, got into his car, had his bag, and there was a fan that was standing right in front of his car with a brick. And Jerry was driving a Corvette. And Jerry said, if you throw that brick at my windshield, I'm going to run you over. The guy threw the brick. Jerry's like, okay, here we go. He starts revving up the car. He puts it in drive. He, he puts his foot on the pedal trying to run over this fan. Couldn't do it because all four of his tires were stabbed. They were all cut with knives, with a knife sticking out. <laughs> now that, that is territory wrestling at its best. It is amazing. Where wrestling was real, Memphis, Tennessee. Jerry Jarrett, as I mentioned, was the promoter. And he has an amazing story about how he took the eye out of Mario Galento's head. In a shoot fight, if you have not seen this, you got to go and watch this uh, documentary. But I've read that story in Rags, Papers, and Pens, and I have another Memphis book around here, where I read about Mario Galento. Boy, there was a time where there would be outlaw wrestling shows. If you had a main show, there would be someone to try to run opposition to the main show. And there was a whole beef between Jerry Jarrett and Mario Galento. Amazing how Jerry Jarrett had to defend himself by taking out the eye of Mario Galento. Crazy story. Uh, Eddie Gilbert. Someone is in my top 10 of wrestlers of all time. Because Eddie Gilbert was not a big guy. He was not a heavyweight champion. But Eddie Gilbert had such a great mind for the business. He was a second-generation wrestler. His father was Tommy Gilbert. Uh, Tommy was a great regional wrestler, uh, also was a referee in Mid-South. But Eddie Gilbert uh, and Jerry Lawler had an unbelievable feud in Memphis. And there was a scene, and you saw the documentary, and I had seen this before, obviously, that uh, Jerry Lawler was tired of Eddie Gilbert, and this was outside. And again, so rare during that time where cameras would be outside of an arena. It's commonplace now, and you say, oh, Hood, I mean, it's, yeah, it's the way it is in 2022. But during that time in the 80s, when you saw outside the building, it's like, okay, this is going to be something weird, special, crazy. What's going to happen here? Eddie Gilbert gets in his car and, and runs over Jerry the King Lawler where Jerry is, is jumping up and sees the car coming, hit his head on the windshield, and ultimately Eddie Gilbert ran over uh, Jerry Lawler. He hit him with a car, pretty much. On live TV! Did I mention that? <laughs> On Saturday morning, there is no second cut or third cut like you get in the WWE or AEW. This is a lot. Either you're going to hit Jerry Lawler with the car or you're going to miss him. One way or the other, uh, Jerry Lawler got hit by a car. You think that people want to go come to the Coliseum on Monday night to see what happened? What was the end result? How Jerry Lawler would get his comeuppance? Yeah, after he was legitimately hit by a car. Joe LaDuke. I remember him reading about him in the magazines. 
His eyes bulged out. He was a legit lumberjack from Canada. And he had the Canadian accent. And this dude was... Uh, he had a face that made you think, God, this guy's crazy. He's a lunatic. But he was a t- solid wrestler. Territory to territory. People like to have Joe Duke in their territory because he was the ultimate heel. Joe Duke wanted to tell people, like, hey, man, I hate you, Jerry Lawler. And I'm going to take a blood, blood oath. Oh, my God. A blood oath. <laughs> this dude comes out there with an axe. And by the way, the promotion had no idea what he's going to do. Because he always had an axe. Takes an axe and takes the axe and puts it to his bicep and it starts to bleed out. He cut himself on his arm to say, hey, this is a blood oath to let you know that I'm going to come after you, Jerry Lawler, and I'm going to beat you. That dude severed his arm with an axe on live TV where Memphis Wrestling didn't know what was going to happen. But again, if you're a fan, you're like, oh my God, this is real. This dude actually cut himself with an axe. What? And blood and bled out on Memphis TV. To sell tickets for the next week's event at the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis. The Poffos were part of Memphis Wrestling as well. I, me- I forgot to mention, out of all those names I mentioned, The Undertaker and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mark Henry and The Undertaker and The Rock and so many others. You know, Randy Savage was in Memphis as well. He's one of those. His um, father, Angelo Poffo, and, of course, Lanny Poffo, they're all from Downers Grove, Illinois. And there was a time where Memphis Wrestling had to deal with yet another company that was running opposition. Um, there was a company that Angelo was running, Angelo Poffo. Finally, he had to have that folded, and he came into the Memphis Territory. Randy Savage is a story about Randy Savage. You think he was paranoid in the WWE? He started in Memphis wrestling. I don't want to spoil that story for you, but Randy Savage was out of his mind even before he came to the WWE. A great Waffle House story with Randy Savage. That's part of this show as well. I'm going to give you a little sample of the conversation that took place in that roundtable with Jerry the King Lawler, with the Jarrett's Jerry and Jeff, Jimmy Hart, and Dutch Mantell. This Memphis Territory Season 1, Episode 1, is phenomenal. Dark Side of the Ring, Memphis Wrestling. TV. Jared is a promoter. Lawler is a wrestler under contract to Jared. Lawler and I had a 30-minute match. We were exhausted because we'd really gone at it hot and heavy. Sam Bass was Lawler's manager. And so... The bell rings, and I'm down on one knee, and bam, I get a punch, and I go face forward. I'm thinking Sam has knocked my brains out, so I reach, and here's a goose egg. But then as I turn around to raise hell at Sam, here's a glint You know, I was scared to death, really scared to death, and I reverted to... My Sailor Moran upbringing. A sailor is an old-time shooter. He's a real tough guy. He said, okay, I'm going to try to teach you to defend yourself. The bones in your hand are the weakest in your body. Your head is the toughest. It's crazy to hit somebody in the face. The larynx, on the other hand, is very solid. Hit them in the throat, collapse the larynx, and the fight's over. 
can't do that. The jugular veins on each side here bite the jugular vein. They'll bleed to death. The other thing is, because they got to be close to you to hurt you, stick your finger in your eye, you'll feel a little cord, move it to the left and pull out. They'll usually quit fighting when you do that. The plan was that I would get humiliated on TV by him knocking me out. I jumped up. My finger went in his eye. He lost his eye. But then the story gets worse. Oh, <laughs> worse than that? Oh, man. Crazy. That's Jerry Jarrett talking about taking the eye of Mario Galento in that Memphis territory. Amazing. <laughs> well, if you get a chance, go to YouTube and just type in Memphis Wrestling, especially Jerry the King Lawler, as Roman Reigns is important to the WWE, and before that, John Cena, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, on and on and on, those that carried the heavyweight championship. The same thing with Jerry the King Lawler. He meant everything to Memphis Wrestling for a long period of time. Type in matches like the uh, matchup that Jerry Lawler had with Terry Funk. So many great matches there in Memphis. Bloody affairs, empty arena matches, um, notice qualification matches with Terry Funk and Jerry the King Lawler. His matchup against Bill Dundee, crazy stipulations where Bill Dundee's wife's hair was on the line if Bill Dundee would have lost the matchup to Jerry the King Lawler. No spoilers here. You just got to watch it for yourself. Hair versus hair, Jerry Lawler against Bill Dundee, and then hair versus hair, Jerry Lawler's hair against Bill Dundee's wife's hair. Nonsense and craziness in Memphis wrestling. The guy that really helped Jerry Lawler along the mentor for Jerry Lawler's Jackie Fargo. Before Jerry Lawler, Jackie Fargo was the one selling out those um, Memphis shows. And look at that matchup from the late 1960s into the 70s, where Jerry Lawler and Jackie Fargo had a great matchup as well. And Jimmy Hart, who ran his mouth back in 1980. Jerry Lawler broke his leg in a in a turkey bowl. He was playing football, broke his leg in 1980. It really did a number on the territory. Jimmy Hart, without any prompting, said on live TV in Memphis, you know what you do with the horse when he can't run? You shoot him. Well, Jerry's at home convalescing. He says, I can't wait to see Jimmy Hart. There was an interview, I believe, in Jerry's home. He says, I cannot wait to see Jimmy Hart. And the first time he saw Jimmy Hart in Memphis in a ring, he broke Jimmy Hart's jaw for saying that about him on national TV, or at least on local TV uh, in the Memphis area. Just crazy stories. I mentioned Rags, Papers, and Pins is the book that I have here of all the great shows and everything that went on in Memphis wrestling. That's a great companion piece for episode one of this show. Tales from the Territories, Memphis wrestling, when wrestling was real. I appreciate you listening to our review of uh, episode one. For each episode for Tales from the Territories, we will have uh, an episode, a special podcast to talk about it. I know that there's a number of them, including Portland Wrestling, and I know that I believe Dallas is part of it, and I know they have a lot of different stories and roundtable discussions that they'll have 
weekly, and we'll cover it right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We appreciate the Good Karma Wrestling audience checking out this podcast. And don't forget, uh, Good Karma Wrestling, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, we're on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Good Karma Wrestling. You can also check us out on YouTube and subscribe there. Go to Good Karma Wrestling and check that out there for uh, our YouTube page. And, of course, we're live on Twitter as well, at GKW underscore wrestling for Good Karma Wrestling. we got merchandise as well in our link tree as well. Go to the bio of our Twitter, GKW underscore wrestling. Check out the merchandise and check out the podcast that you might have missed. Thanks so much for listening to this special Tales from the Territory podcast with me, Jonathan Hood, right here for GKW and Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. See you next week.